coming off the top of the cage. It is the top of the cage podcast with Bill and Juice. Juice, you beat me pretty good in fantasy this weekend. I got to admit, the promo king, the promo god, sorry, the promo god truly uh, reigns supreme over the young promo upstart. And I have to give you props for that. Thank you, Billy. This was a matchup I was waiting for ever since you joined the league in our fantasy football league. And um, I'm glad I came out top. And I was happy with my victory promo. Juice, Juice uh, cut a hell of a promo on me. I, that won't get posted anywhere for our listeners to at least see, but Juice cut the hell of a promo on me. Thank you, sir. Also, I got another victory in terms of that relates to our podcast. Uh, I willed the existence of uh, the Hurt Business being reunited, so you can all thank me. I'm amazing. I am just awesome. Um, all praise me. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's continue, Billy to uh today's episode of top of cage we got a lot to talk about there's a lot going on and let's just do a shout out to uh jake stink roberts wrestling legend um there's reports that he has missed several aw shows because of a lung disease um and the treatment that is going uh through for that um so we wish him the best in a swift recovery and hopefully he returns to aw because him and Lance are a great combo, and he's a hell of a promo. Even with that grizzly voice, I love hearing him talk. He's he's the man. He's a legend for a reason. Agreed, yes. And for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Jake the Snake suffers from COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Uh, it is a group of diseases that causes airflow blockage and breathing-related problems, which, you know, I, that just sounds like something I don't wish upon my worst enemy, so... Uh, to Jake the Snake, we hope you get better from top of the cage. Yeah, we, we hope that Jake comes back strong and uh, we see him soon. Now it's time to move on to a little lighter uh, topics. Uh, next Wednesday, Netflix will be adding an interactive movie. What does that have to do with wrestling? Well, it's under it's Undertaker movie and it's Undertaker like Funhouse as the New Day has to um, venture through through the Undertaker Funhouse, and you get to pick the options of what they do. It looks, I watched the trailer, it looks ridiculous. It doesn't look like a quality movie, no. Am I gonna watch it multiple times to do all the options? Yes. Do I think I'm gonna be amused, entertained by it? Yes, I do. Sometimes uh, fun things don't have to be quality things. But that's, why, that's why wrestling is better than the things you like, as they say. No, I'm pretty excited for it too. I think that the interactive stuff that Netflix does is really interesting. That Black Mirror interactive episode they did, I thought was really cool. I know that there's a few others besides that particular one. I know there's a Minecraft one on there too somewhere. But bringing it to the world of wrestling, Undertaker having a Netflix special is pretty cool. New Day being on that Netflix special is pretty cool. I am just really, I, I know that there's going to be some funny moments. Like, I know there's going to be a choice that's so obvious not to make. And if you make it, like, the New Day are just going to roast the fuck out of you. And that's what I'm the most excited for. I just want the New Day to roast me for making an absurdly stupid decision. Yeah, I, I want to know all the options I can take. But like I said, I'll probably watch this multiple times so I can do all the options. Because uh, they're entertaining, and they crack me up. 
Yeah, knowing somebody like Woods probably being involved with the creative process of this, he's definitely thrown some Easter eggs in there, I'm sure. So I am definitely looking for Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, definitely plenty of stuff in the wall. Um, a little, yeah, well, stuff in the wall. Usually Easter eggs are in the background or like a way someone dresses or such like that. Um, yeah, it should be fun, um, fun to say the least. We're going to keep it moving, and we're going to talk about takes from Grand Slam last week and Extreme Rules, which happened Sunday. Start with Grand Slam. So I made a couple predictions about debuts. We didn't have any debuts, but um, one debut, I realized this like after we recorded (laughs) that um, Bray Wyatt's 90-day rule doesn't expire until October, so he couldn't have debuted. I, I, t- I totally forgot that because, like, there was a wave in June and there was a wave in April. And I thought he was part of the June one for, like, a sec- hot second. But, um, yeah, I, I quickly knew he wasn't going to come, so sorry about that. But uh, the Iconics did not come. I was sad. I want the inspiration, which they are called now, to show up. Uh, I love both of them so much. I need them in wrestling. Um, I imagine they'll show up at Bound for Glory, but we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, Grand Slam was, uh, really good. Um, Wednesday, it started off with Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega, and it was class. This was, um, this was one of my favorite matches of the year in any promotion. This was really good, and it's the thing with AEW doing draws, I like it, I think, Wrestling needs more draws. It shows, uh, you know, I think creating a third option is good. And sometimes when two elite talents or two guys really close to you come head to head, uh, it should result in a draw and them wanting. And it's an easy way to continue the feud. And it's an easy way to protect both guys. Yeah, so I really liked the ending and I liked the whole match. Uh, it started off slow, but I was expecting that. Um, especially since it ended at a draw, it's going to be a long, drawn-out match. It was a technical masterpiece and pretty brutal. A.W. Daniel Bryan, or should I say Brian Danielson, because he is Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. It was, he is going to be a blast. Uh, also, later in the night, Ruby Soho and Britt Baker faced off. They had uh, a really good match, too. Uh, Britt Baker won. Yeah, Wednesday was good. Uh, what was your takes on night one of Queensland? I think, kind of just going back to what you were saying about the draw, I think that draws are extremely underrated in wrestling. I was watching a video today about why WWE should think about integrating draws themselves. And, you know, I, I hate to do the comparison of AEW versus WWE, you know, stealing ideas from one another, doing one thing because the other company did it, but... I do truly believe that draws have their place in wrestling. The next match that Kenny and Brian have are going, is going to be guaranteed to have a finish, whether it's a stipulation match or whether it's, you know, a submission match or some sort of maybe a last man standing or something like that. I am very excited to see where this feud is going to go. 
other than that, I think night one had a pretty good card top to bottom. Like you said, the women's match was really good. And I am just excited for AEW right now. I think that they have truly positioned themselves being in a stadium show to really, you know, get themselves into place. And moving to night two, what do you think of night two? Yeah, uh, I want to say with the stadium, the Arthur Ashe crowd, thank you. You guys were amazing. You guys uh, were almost as good, if not as good, as Chicago's crowd. Night two, um, I didn't like it as much. I feel like the New York crowd probably loved it probably more because it highlighted the New York talent that comes from there because there's a lot. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. It was good. I, I liked watching it. Um, I, thought the, I thought the first hour was better than the second hour. Yeah, but it was, it was good. Uh, it was a lot of, like, tag matches. I did like um, Ortiz, that four and four tag match they were in of Santana Ortiz and the Lucha Bros versus. Oh, this is tough for me to remember. Um, <laughs> if you want to chime in and say who they faced, if you remember that, would be good. <laughs> was it HFO? Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. It was, it was uh, Butcher and the Blade and uh, Private Party. Yeah, 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 it was. Okay. I was having trouble remembering it. That was a fun match. Uh, another match from that that I liked was um, a tag match between Suzuki. It was Suzuki Goon. It was uh, Lance Archer and Suzuki versus John Moxley and Kingston. Um, seeing Eddie Kingston get his moment in the main event in front of his uh, home city. Um, was uh, really emotional and awesome. I'm so happy for him. The guy dealing with depression and dealing with poverty, and now he's wrestling for one of the biggest wrestling promotions in the world, and he's one of the most beloved stars in that promotion. And I love Eddie. Uh, I love seeing him get his moment. It was awesome. I I love Eddie Kingston. I do truly believe that. Why was this man not on my TV in any other promotion anytime sooner? Like I, I don't get it. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie's awesome. Um, I was lucky enough. So when I was a kid, I never actually got to go to a live wrestling show. But um, so I, it was only a couple, few, a couple of years ago that I got to go on. It was Evolve show, and it was him and I think uh, Joe Gacy tagged for a world title match against the Street Profits. Street Profits uh, final Evolve show and Eddie won. And they, they did promos before it. And I'm like, this guy is tremendous. I'm like, who is this guy? And then goes in the ring. I'm like, he's, he's really good. Who's this guy? He was one of the guys who really caught my attention. Uh, Darby was also, that was the first time I learned of Darby and Orange Cassidy too. And they, they were at the Evolve show too and they caught my attention. Um, yeah, Eddie is special. I hope AEW has plenty planned for him. Uh, Grand Slam was fun. Uh, I expected a little bit more, but it was still it was still great. Two great shows. Crowds were great. Uh, still fun. So now it's time to move on to Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules, I feel like these uh, kind of WWE shows that don't have much hype around, usually succeed. And this was pretty good, but um, obviously the ending of, or I thought was pretty good. If you disagree, that's fine. That's, I like debate, but um, yeah, 
I I actually liked the DQ in the women's match. I thought it protected Bianca really well. I thought it was a good way to introduce Sasha Banks. And if they do, I know they like big world title matches during the two draft episodes. And I think this is going to be one of the two. Um, I think it'll be a triple threat between the three of them. And I feel like that'd be awesome. And there'll be, will be an actual finish. And then also the main event, it was a pretty good match. And then the ending happened. <laughs> and they're doing the, the, the music before it ended. And then uh, the ropes just gave out. And I still don't understand what happened. <laughs> they'll, they'll explain it on Friday. And it'll be a dumb reason. <laughs> I just, I, what I don't understand is you go through all the lights, the music, the the smoke, and then you have Finn twitch on the ground and have commentary specifically be like, look at the demon, look at the demon, the demon, the demon. They did they, first of all, they said the demon way too much. That it, it's like when they used to call Shinsuke Nakamura Shin. They would just say Shin every five seconds. That that bugged me first off. This is nit that's nitpicking though. But why go through the trouble of building your monster baby face like your like literal monster of a baby face and have him just get completely demolished through the whole match and he has this miraculous resurrection as if nothing happened to him i'm okay with all of like the red lighting and the smoke and the music playing in the background but how does a fall off the top rope from the rope breaking and all of that momentum. I mean, it just makes no sense. Like wrestling, the thing I hate about WWE is a lot of the times they just insult the fans' intelligence. And like, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I felt like my intelligence was just extremely insulted. Like you dude just literally went through tables. Dude just got back from fighting all the way around the arena. First of all, and second of all, I guess, because I already said first of all, that Roman mask moment when he put on the, the mask going through the crowd. I like that that he sneakily did it because obviously Roman, uh, being a former leukemia patient, has to be very concerned about things like that. But I really, it really just sold the moment for me. I thought that it, that was a like heel move, essentially. And it looked really badass with him doing it. And Pat McAfee definitely helped on commentary as well. But I just don't get it. I don't, I just really honestly don't get it. And now it's like the fiend in the hell in the cell match with Seth Rollins. You can't take it back. The fans do not forget what happened. All the momentum that had been starting to build for this monster character just in the flash, in a flash, just gets completely cut out from under them and dropped. Where does the demon go now? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just feel upset. I feel insulted. I agree with that. I do feel insulted about how that match ended, but... um. And it's it's a weird thing to do. So, as you know, I'm an anime fan. And in anime, when the heroes fighting a big battle, a lot of times they'll play, like, the opening music and then he'll win in a miraculous way. That's what it felt like about the, the heartbeat and them playing the music. And, like, they're like, he's going to do it. He's going to defeat the big bad. And then, like, this is like if in anime the hero dies, the bad guy wins the anime ends. <laughs> Yeah, this is quite a move. Um, I do get if because a big a, a moment like this can kill a pay per view. I mean, a lot of people like Hell in a Cell, like people look 
uh, poorly on that pay-per-view, even though it had some good moments in it because of Seth Rollins and The Fiend because of the main event. And the ending of this match can definitely uh, taper the feeling. But for the most part, I still enjoyed the pay-per-view as a whole because I enjoyed the women's match because I thought the two went uh, really brought it. And I thought the DQ protected Bianca. And I thought that's what you, that's got to be the top priority in this match, protect both of them. And I think it did. And then one of my, a a great tag team match happened. Uh, Street Profits versus the Usos. I'm not a big fan of the Usos, but this match was awesome. Um, I I rated like 4.25 out of five stars. I loved it. It, it, it. I was so interested in the match. One of my favorite tag team matches of the year in wrestling. Not the favorite. My favorite is probably Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks. But this is up there in terms of tag matches of the year. Uh, yeah, it was a spectacle. I didn't think there was a bad match in the card. Even though one match that people did really like that I, I didn't was the triple threat. I was watching it with Kyle, and um, you know, he he pointed out a couple watches, and you know, I watched it back to try, and also like it just it didn't feel like a good flow to me. Like I didn't notice as many botches he did, or I thought, oh, those aren't really botches. But my main problem with the match weren't even the botches. It was um, the flow just felt off. Felt like they could have done so much more. Felt kind of repetitive in the action. And I think Sheamus and Damian Priest's um, no DQ match on Monday Night Raw really proved that the triple threat wasn't that good because then they brought it. <laughs> they killed it. Also, like, it's a triple threat match in Extreme Rules. They didn't bring a single – no one wanted to use a single weapon. There was only one match in the card that was Extreme Rules. Like, it, at least make the – at least put weapons in the triple threat match. That's all I'm asking. It was ridiculous. This pay-per-view gave me a lot of mixed emotions because each of the matches as holes were good, but then the ending of the main event was terrible. And also the fact that only one match had Extreme Rules, that's just absurd to me. Uh, but, yeah, there's – there's plenty of hate from this Extreme Rules, and there was plenty of like, especially that tag match that I mentioned. No, I, I really liked that tag match as well. But going back to the triple threat match, you had people like Sheamus and Jeff Hardy in the match. Sheamus winning his first WWE title in a tables match, and Jeff Hardy literally being credited as somebody that reinvented the ladder match and TLC matches and how do neither of those two guys get extreme and extreme rules? I don't know. But I, again, I, I, that tag match was, was really, really good. I can't believe that you're not a big fan of the Usos. I will never forget one of the first pay-per-view events I went to. I saw the Usos and the Wyatt family, specifically Harper and Rowan, in a tag match. And they killed it. They did so, so well in it. Uh, I, I think they have good matches, like even people I don't like. Everyone's gonna have good matches because um, usually they can get carried by the other person across the ring, and that's what I felt like happened here, and that's what I feel like happens in all these matches that they get carried by the other team. Because I just think uh, limited move sets, and um, I mean there can be great wrestlers with limited move sets, but they have to 
they convince me through their storytelling and the nuances of ring psychology and stuff like that. That's why I turned my uh, mind on Reigns. Like I used to not like Reigns at all. And then he turned heel and it's not just his promos have proved, but his angling work too. He's so, he's so consistent now because um, his ring psychology is improved and the intensity of his heel character in his matches seen. Usos, um, they, they do have a little nuances with the heel moves now. I, I do give them credit. They, they do tell a good story. It's just like still, still the moves are too simple for me. And also, I just hate hearing them talk because I still feel like it's the same promo. I still feel like it's, hey, Oos, we're mean Ooses now. Oos. Uh, if, if you love them, that's fine. Like, I, I, one of my favorite things about wrestling and wrestling fandom is the different takes everyone has on it. And, uh, you know, that, that's fine. Like, and I do think they deserve a place in the WWE. Like, there's wrestlers that I'd rather be released and, and uh, you know, from different companies for different reasons because I don't think they're good, but they're not one of them. I think they're a good tag team. And, well, I mean, I think they're a tag team that deserves and they have good feuds and they work well with a lot of people yeah so but you know they're not for me <laughs> i don't think they ever will be and you can let us know what you guys thought of not only extreme rules but grand slam on our social medias at totc underscore pod on instagram and twitter we always appreciate the takes and opinions you guys have been giving to us there and we would love to hear if you guys are fans of or not fans of the Usos, too. All right, Juice, you had a couple things that you wanted to bring up here regarding some other promotions than the two main ones we talk about here. What do you, uh, what do you want to get into here? So I'll start with uh, MLW. They have um, MLW Fightland. They're like big uh, pay-per-view event coming up. It's, um, it's this Saturday. It's October 2nd, but it will, uh, it will be airing on Vice on October 7th, Thursday, after after Dark Side of the Ring at 10 o'clock. It will be airing at 10 o'clock, right? This card uh, excites me. I'm not a big MLW guy. I watch it here and there because um, there are really great talents in it. Um, Alex Hammerstone, Jacob Fatu, who's one of the Hanoi family members. Um, his uncle is Rikishi. His cousins are the Usos. He's in it. Uh, Bobby Fish is back there now. Tom, Filthy Tom Lawler is a guy I really like. He's great in the ring, underrated guy. Check him out if you don't know anything about him. Uh, yeah, it's got some talent, and MLW Fightland has a great card. The main event is Jacob Fatu versus Alex Hammerstone. Title versus title match. Jacob Fatu is like unstoppable heel um, champion. He's like the Roman Reigns of MLW, and that's a good comparison <laughs> because... He's related to Roman Reigns. <laughs> he is the part of the Noy family. Uh, yeah, he's their heavyweight champion. Alex Hammerstone is the national openweight champion. Uh, these are two big men. This is going to be neat, slapping meat. Two big boys, two hosses, but two hosses who can go in the ring. It's going to be it's going to be really good. I think this match will make a fan out of many viewers that aren't that familiar with MLW. Also, um, the, uh, the Oprah Cup tournament, the opening round, has matches on it, too. And um, Bobby Fish's return match, he's in the Opera Cup uh, opening round. Bobby Fish versus Lee Moriarty. He's a great young uh, 
indie talent Alex Shelley of Mars City Machine Guns versus TJP. Davey Richards versus Tom Lawler. That's going to be great. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting card. Um, definitely check it out if you have time or record it. It's on Vice after Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. I've never actually watched a couple of the pay-per-view. I've only watched their YouTube show at like 7 o'clock on Wednesdays when I have time. Um, very sparingly. But they do have they do have good matches. So that's enough on that. Uh, anything you you know want to ask or bring up about it? I know you're not uh, that familiar with MLW. No, I'm I'm not. But I, I am familiar at least with who Jacob Fatu is. And it's interesting to hear this champion versus champion match. And you know me. I love my big meaty men slapping me. So uh, maybe they'll make a fan out of me. Like you said, if, if this is a match that can make a fan out of somebody, I'm I'm ready to become a fan. Yeah, and now it's, it's on a TV medium. Um, it's definitely a good way to get people into it, and it will be easy for you to find. Yeah, and then now time to move on to Impact has one of their big four in October, Bound for Glory. The road for Bound for Glory has begun. It began at Victory Road. And Josh Alexander, who is just a phenomenal in-ring wrestler, he, the, the lazy comparison is Kurt Angle, but he is <laughs> that, that like the dude wrestles in a singlet he's a, a technical master he wrestles like the same exact way uh i'd say he's not as good on the mic but he's very intense and he's good with his character he was the x division champion but he used option c in the main event of victory road christian cage beat ace austin who was a young stud um it was a great match and then Josh Alexander came out after the match after Christian Cage defeated Ace Austin and he used option C, which an impact means the X Division champion can vacate the X Division belt and can get he gets a world title match. And that will be the main event of Bound for Glory. I think Josh Alexander will win and become the face of the company. There are rumors that he's actually gonna be Kenny Omega. So um, but the chance in mind because they want uh things changed with actually things changed with AEW which impacted uh impact and uh yeah so uh, that'll be that'll be a great match um and also Bound for Florida has Mickey James return to impact in the ring she'll be facing Diona Prazo who has been a, just awesome uh we'll we'll bring up Prazo later yeah that's also a match um I think the X Division they're having an exhibition tournament inside the new champion. And I think the finals will be at Bound for Glory. I hope that someone debuts and wins the tournament. And that person is formerly Buddy Murphy, now Buddy Matthews. I really want Buddy Matthews to be impact. And I want him to win this tournament. I've heard that he's killing it in the indies right now at smaller shows. And... I think he'd kill an impact. He'd be a great exhibition champion. That's what I want to happen. Also, um, the Call Your Shot Challenge is happening at Battle of Glory, which is like a battle royal, especially the impact, and it's mixed gender, and the winner gets like a trophy, and it's kind of like a money bank contract and cash in any title you want. And then I think there's knockouts, knockdown, final. They're having a tournament. I think the final happens at Bound for Glory, but they're having like an event for it too, so the final might be in the event. I'm not positive about that. Uh, it kind, I kind of got confused by how they worded it. 
<laughs> but yeah, Bound for Glory should be great. Um, it, and also, I think there'll be a few, a couple of debuts. Like, um, I, they, they usually, the Slamversary, both past years, they timed it that it's after the 90 day rules of a lot of WWE wrestlers. Then they do like surprise matches. They're like, oh, this, this team will face a surprise challenging team, or this wrestler will face a surprise challenger. I think Bound for Glory, stuff like that, or like the tournament I talked about. Like I think Buddy Matthews will be in the tournament and he'll he'll debut before the pay-per-view. At the pay-per-view, I, I think the inspiration will finally debut and impact. I think Braun might make an appearance. Uh, a lot of people are up for grabs that were formerly WWE that got released in June and April. Hey, Bray Wyatt could even debut. Like people say Bray Wyatt to AW. Yeah, that's that's where I'm heading, but there's rumors that he might go to Impact. There are rumors that he already has signed. I don't know how true that is because rumors. And also, 90-day rules, so he can't sign. So I feel like that rumor is completely bullshit. <laughs> but they could at least talk to him. And also, like, they, like them planning events after 90-day rules and such, um, it sounds like they everything could be set in stone with certain talents except pen and paper. So maybe they did come to agreement with Bray Wyatt, but they can't make it official yet. Um, so who knows? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm excited for Brown 4. I like Impact a lot. Um, that's enough out of my mouth. <laughs> Billy, any takes on that? Um, no, like you said, I, I am aware of obviously Christian Cage and Alexander. Um, I, I think that that's an interesting matchup again, too. Maybe something I will tune into. Uh, if you tell me that Bray Wyatt or Windham Rotunda is going to be debuting in Impact, my eyes are there. I am a huge Bray Wyatt mark from Cult Bray a Swamp Bray to The Fiends, Firefly Funhouse Bray. I, I have been a sucker for everything that man has ever created for a character. I truly believe that in terms of character work, it's unparalleled that what he can do. Think about the emotions you felt when you, felt, when you saw the first Firefly Funhouse, when you knew Bray Wyatt was returning. And then you see him as this Mr. Rogers-esque sort of character interacting with these creepy puppets. And then you find out more and more and more that he's in this purgatory and he has this fiend living in that purgatory with him that he calls upon for, for you know, interacting with people. And then the interactions he had with people changed them from face to heel or heel to face. Someone like Seth Rollins, for instance, he hit him with the hurt glove and then uh, you know, hit the mandible claw with the hurt glove and Seth Rollins became Monday Night Raw or became the Monday Night Messiah. You know, it's 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 things like that, the small character details that really I think Bray Wyatt absolutely kills with. So I do hope that somewhere like Impact with, you know, seeing the broken Matt Hardy character that it seems like they are willing to let their wrestlers who are focused on character work and really know how to interact with the audience kind of lets them work. So I know that Bray has been looking for something like that. And I do truly hope that that is where he lands. I, I again, my concern about him going to AEW is it's a little crowded. Um, I don't want necessarily 
someone like Alice or I'm sorry, Malachi Black for his momentum as a very, you know, carrier character oriented kind of person who can still go in the ring. I don't want him to be overshadowed shadowed by Bray. And I don't want, you know, them to kind of put Bray into the dark order just because of Brody either. Although that would be pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I don't think necessarily that's necessary. I still think that Bray will end up in AW even though it's crowded, but um, I do think Impact would be a better fit. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. So um, we can move things on to uh, the return of Push Job Release. We got two this week. Well, the first one, I want to shout out Charles on Twitter, Chucks93. He came up with a little list, and I said we'd use one this week. And this first Push Job Release, is his. Uh, these are the three that he presented. So uh, I'll name the three people. Chris Statlander, Tony Storm, and me again. Billy, you can start. You know, I think it's interesting that I have my release before I have my push or my job. Usually I leave the release to like, oh, I don't really know who I want to use here. I am going to choose Mia Yim as my release. Only because I never was a Mia Yim fan, honestly. I, from her time in NXT, I never was really sold on her. And now being Reckoning, I, I think that honestly really just dropped her stock pretty heavily for me. I think I am jobbing Chris Stanler or Statlander, sorry. I always call her Statlander, or I always say her last name wrong. I just, my dyslexia is just like, that's not how you're supposed to say that name. Uh, I'm jobbing her just, uh, again, when we say job, we don't necessarily mean that she is going to become a jobber. Um, I just think that she did have a recent uh, world title feud with Britt Baker. Uh, I don't necessarily think that she, out of these three, needs to be released. I think that she's still somebody that I can keep and have uh, as a good hand, somebody that can be in a title picture once again, once she gets a little bit more familiar with audiences and stuff like that, which means my push is coming to Tony Storm. I really like Tony Storm. Uh, as we can tell from our mock draft, she was somebody that I went out and made sure I got. And yeah, I, I, I think that this one's a pretty easy one for me. I think that the second one we have coming up is going to be a lot more tougher, but I'd love to hear what you think about this one, Juice. So I should have done this before we started, but um, I'll explain Push Job Release for new uh, listeners. You push a star, that's your main event star, your top name, top of the card. Uh, you release one, you yeah. You only have so much room and you have to part ways with someone. And job doesn't necessarily mean to be a jobber. It can, but um, it just means that most they'll be a mid-card champion or a tag team champion a couple times. Um, they're never going to make it to the top card or be a world champion. So I'll, I'll start mine with these three. I'm not a big fan of Statlander or me again, but NXT is always my favorite show. And um, me again, you know character never really um resided with me and her normal matches get my wording because i'll bring it her normal matches never really were for me but one thing just she did that i really really liked that kind of made me almost fan um and makes me pick her as my job is i love her in stipulation matches like uh, she had a ladder match couple ladder matches she's at table matches she did her and Candice LeRae had like an extreme rules match that was great um she is so tough she her toughness I applaud not just in the ring but 
her mental toughness because um, she had to dealt, deal with uh, mental abuse from a former um, significant other. And she is just so tough. It's a great story. And I do root for her. And her matches that deals with stipulations are always fun. So I could put her in plenty of stipulation matches, but just keep her in uh, the mid card. So yeah, I'd job me again. I'd release Chris Statlander. I hate the alien gimmick. She can go in the ring, but I'm just not a fan of her gimmick at all. Uh, and then I push Tony Storm. I love Tony Storm. Tony is awesome. Um, uh, I see. I think she will become a future women's championship uh, champion. And if I ran a company, she definitely would be a couple times. So yeah, I'm pushing Tony here. Uh, yeah. So comment on Twitter, TOTC underscore pod, uh, what you do in this situation and suggest others. So now let's move on to the next three. And they are Kenny Omega, Big E, and Roman Reigns. This is extremely challenging for me. I'm still flip-flopping in my head what to do. Um, I don't want to seem like, I'll just start right off the bat. I don't want to seem like I hate AEW. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to job. I'll start with job because I don't know who to push for these. But I'm going to job uh, Biggie, which breaks my heart because he's my favorite of the three. But if I'm running company, I got to take my bias out of it. I got to think about what's going to make me money, what's going to draw the most. I think the other two men, one of them being on the main card, would um, be preferred. But I don't want to release Biggie. I think Biggie in, needs to be in my company. And I would give him a couple mid-card runs. And um, yeah, yeah, he's fun. Keep him mid-card. It would break my heart as a fan, but as, as you know, I can't push him. This is push job really supposed to make tough decisions. Uh, who would I push? This is tough. Um, I think I'm pushing Kenny Omega. Uh, the reason I say that is because for Roman, I think he really only connects with fans as a heel, as a face. He seemed pushed down the throats, and I don't know if he could really succeed as a face. And um, he's not as dynamic technically as Kenny. Kenny can be a face or a heel. He's not as marketable or as known as Roman Reigns, but I can make him that. I can make him marketable. He's great in the ring. Like I said, face or heel, pushing Kenny, releasing Roman. This is extremely challenging. Three, um, like I, I knew I was gonna job Biggie because I'm not releasing Biggie, <laughs> but uh, oof, this is tough, Billy. I want to hear what you got in this one. This one's tough. <laughs> this one is so damn tough. So I think for my push, I'll start with my push on this one. I'm pushing Kenny Omega. Uh, very similar sentiments to yourself. This man is the best bout machine. He absolutely kills it in his heel role right now. Uh, babyface Kenny Omega, I also believe, can just connect to fans very well. He also hits the Asian markets very well, too. Now, for job and release between these two guys. Oh, I just don't know. I just don't know. All right, I'll, I'll start with my release. I think I've I think I've come to terms with my release, and I'll tell you why. I am releasing Biggie. Now, the reason I'm releasing Biggie is because 
think of the two stars that he is going to have to be competing in a company with compared to Roman and Kenny. I think that Big E's stock is currently on the rise. I don't think it's necessarily where Roman and Kenny's stock currently is, both of them being, all three of them being world champions, but Big E being a world champion, both for the first time and fairly new in his reign. But I want E to be a bigger star somewhere else. Doesn't have to worry about getting overshadowed by these two guys who are already made men. And then at that point, I'm jobbing Roman. And I'm jobbing Roman because... I believe that although he is a great heel, kind of like what you said, I I can't make him a face, at least not anymore. Maybe a a cool tweener. You know, I I don't think that he's necessarily going to be rock status of I can have him be a face or a heel in a match, depending on who he's going against. But I'll have him be there to kind of be the, you know, my, my, my guy in the upper mid card, mid-card champion you know roman has definitely proved that he can handle himself as a mid-card champion i i think e also has definitely proven that as well but i i just want e to be released so that way he is not having to compete with these two guys uh i think that e and roman hopefully are going to be going to separate shows come the wwe draft and i think that e should be a big focus on whatever show he is on hopefully it is uh raw i think i really do like e on raw and roman remaining on smackdown i just think that the dynamic that those two have is really good because especially with e being in a faction and hopefully the new day stays with him and uh with all the factions especially the hurt business coming through wwe right now uh you know it kind of gives the show a lot more focal points on a longer show having more focus on all the members of those factions. So yeah, I, I think I'm going push Kenny job Roman and release Biggie, but not releasing him in a bad way, releasing him so he can go make himself somewhere else. Releasing Biggie so he can go on the greater, better things in other companies is extremely nice. And he does deserve to be a top guy. And um, right now he's starting a, impressive beginning of a world championship run so that ends push job release again um send us what you do in this situation and um yeah thank you for listening to push job release our uh me our top segment Next is Young Stud Spotlight. We pick a, each pick a wrestler under 29, talk about them. Billy, you can start off with yours, who I really like. This is my second favorite AEW wrestler, so I like this one. I am choosing Sammy Guevara. So Sammy Guevara is this week's Young Stud Spotlight for me. Uh, we had the age change a few times, and thankfully this guy just falls under the 29 category. He's currently 28. Uh, was something I was a little surprised about, actually. I thought for I, I had him in mind for this segment, and I thought for sure, oh, well, you know, he could easily be 30. I'm not too sure. But I think Sammy is honestly one of the greatest AEW quote-unquote homegrown talents that they have right now. The work with the inner circle, amazing. They really, truly made him feel like that other singles guy. I love the cue cards. I love how he carries himself. Again, he he did have some issues outside of the ring from some previous comments, but of which he's kind of really, you know, repaid for his mistakes. 
you know, going out and personally apologizing to Sasha for the things he said about her, you know, forfeiting his pay, you know, those are just things that is, is good shows good character. You know, it shows that Sammy has grown up from when he made those comments. And, you know, I, I think that Tony and AEW as a whole really handled that whole situation well. And I think that Sammy, especially now, it seems like he's he's kind of moving into a TNT championship feud with Miro. You know, I, I am hoping that Miro retains, but I know Sammy has so much more to give to AEW as a whole, to the wrestling world as a whole. And I am wanting to spotlight him just to say this is truly one of the guys to be looking out, looking out for in AEW. I love that. Uh, the Spanish God, uh, I love him. Um, he, he can go, he's great in the ring, he's fun. Uh, you can even credit him with really starting the Jericho um, sing-alongs, the judas sing-alongs because he started in the pandemic era of his bad sing voice and odd sprout smile on my face and um even though i i think i even said it on this spot but uh i want miro to have a long reign that changed when the spanish god (laughs) is getting a title shot i i I want him to be tnt champion i want him to be the guy who do who ends miro's streak there's not much to build, so there's not much hope that it will happen. But uh, I'm hoping for it. I love Sammy. I want to see him with the TNT Championship. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I don't think he's going to do it, but I'm pulling for him. So, yeah, that, that is uh, Sammy. That was a great one. Uh, actually, confession time, the reason I chose 29 is uh, because in a future segment, I was going to bring Sammy Guevara up, and I knew he was 28. <laughs> That's a 29 and under. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. We'll we'll get him out of the way. Next week, we'll do 28 and under. We'll just keep going under and under and under until we don't have a wrestler we can talk about. Or just keep it 29 forever. (laughs) We'll see. The reason I chose this person instead of Sammy Guevara, the person I'll talk about, is because we uh, brought up Impact earlier. And it's Deanna Perrazzo. Um... She she was with WWE NXT for a little bit, and she was very frustrated with her role. And me, I was too, because um, I saw her a little bit. I saw her, she had a title match with Rhea Ripley NXT UK, which was great. And um, the limited roles, the limited matches that she did get in NXT, I was like, she's really good. She can go. During the pandemic, she was one of the releases, and she instantly she said like uh, in an interview like literally like right after she got released she went to uh she got contacted by scott demore she got contact with impact because she's friends with uh, mass and rain then she went there and she immediately got put into a knockouts championship feud and a sweet match and then they had a rematch and an iron one match and that's the match i'll bring up as a, a match to watch of hers if you're not familiar uh great match the iron one match both matches with jordan grace are great but especially that one uh dina prazo she's the virtuosa she says she's the best uh technical wrestler in the world uh she's definitely one of the best technical women wrestlers in the world and she's 
just a technical savage. And uh, her mic work gets better and better every time she's on the mic. Uh, she works hard. She also shows up in multiple indie promotions and other uh, small promotions besides Impact because they let the wrestlers go to a lot of other places and do work at a lot of other places because Impact is great that way. And they want to get more exposure for the wrestlers. Uh, yeah, she's talented. She's young. I think she's only 26. Uh, yeah, she's got a bright future. And she's already one of the top women stars in wrestling. And uh, she's already showing WWE what they missed out on. So, yeah, Billy, back to you. Um, I honestly do not have too much to say about Perazzo. Um, I only really was exposed to her in NXT. And as you just said, her position in NXT was not amazing. Uh, definitely seemed like to be frustrating for her. And uh, seeing where she has kind of flown since then has really made me realize maybe I uh, need to be looking out for this young stud or studette. Uh, I think that she looks great. You know, like uh, I think that she has a pretty, you know, good look to her. I think that, you know, I've, I've again heard nothing but good things about her in-ring skills. And, you know, although I'm not an Impact fan, I will be sure, especially uh, with Bound for Glory coming up, I will be sure to kind of check around and see, you know, is she the real deal for that uh, young stud spotlight? I hope you do. And I do plan on having people up for Bound for Glory. So if you're free, hopefully you can make it. If not, you should still check out Deanna Perrazzo's match. Mickey James, I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, time to move on to our final segment, potential. Uh, it's a fantasy booking segment. Um, Billy, you can introduce this segment for us. Sure. Uh, we do not have a real name for this segment right now. However, we have a tagline. Uh, so it is the fantasy booking segment. Uh, how you would book them, where we strap. Oh, maybe we would call it how would you book them. Maybe we didn't actually make a name for it. How would you book them? where we strap on our fantasy booking hats for storyline dreams. And so a writing team will hire us. Uh, So essentially what the idea for this was, was to focus on one person or a group of people in a particular storyline in which we fantasy book into reality. And we talk about, you know, how, how we would book them, what we would do in the feud, uh, who would come out on top of feuds, or maybe we can just focus on the individual path to stardom or path to a certain uh, event for an individual. Uh, the one that we are looking to talk to tonight is a highly anticipated uh, storyline in which a lot of people have gone and fantasy booked themselves, something that we have not seen come to fruition on AEW television yet, and that is the award low turn on mjf juice do you have uh any basis for our storyline here you want me to get into it uh you can get into it first curious what you're gonna say all right so i say that I originally thought this was going to happen with Brian Pillman, a junior, but maybe maybe it's a different uh, character. Maybe somebody like another Jungle Boy match with MJF 
or something along those lines of MJF just going too far in a match where uh, Wardlow has the the ring, MJF calls for it, and Wardlow has some hesitation, or Wardlow does not want to be giving it to MJF. And instead of, you know, just canning it over, you know, MJF forcibly grabs it or maybe slaps Wardlow or knocks him to the ringside and he drops it and picks it up himself. And uh, as MJF just begins pummeling somebody with this ring, uh, I'm assumingly causing a DQ in this match or some point, um, Wardlow rushes the ring and saves the uh, person who is being beat. Like I said, in this instance, we'll say it's Jungle Boy and, um, you know, maybe maybe Jurassic Express is not uh, out there at this time or, or some other match shenanigans had happened and they're knocked out. And we get a Wardlow face turn because I do believe that this is a very beautiful, handsome man who the crowd is very behind. I believe that he also would not be the heel in his eventual feud with MJF. I, I, I just can't see MJF becoming a face in that situation. AEW, you can surprise me if you want to, but I, I, I'm pretty confident that that's not going to happen. So I would have that big blow-off match, uh, hopefully happening at one of the big four AEW events. Uh, definitely a marquee match for sure, something that has a lot of build-up on Rampage and Dynamite. Um, you know, I would give Wardlow a lot of singles matches, probably against the likes of maybe a Hobbs or you know, maybe give him a Darby or something like that. Just a guy that he can kind of, you know, really have a great match with someone to showcase, you know, his real big athletic prowess. Like I said, I've in the past compared Wardlow to the next Batista, and I am a huge Batista mark as well. You know, just have him really be that real deal muscle of a man ass kicker. You know, he's just no nonsense. His character is just the fact that he is no nonsense. He just comes in, kicks ass, wins titles, leaves. I don't necessarily think that uh, Wardlow will be getting a championship at this time of his turn. You know, maybe if MJF is a champion, maybe it gives some incentive for the turn there as well. But I say that Wardlow, like I said, builds up to a feud with MJF at one of the big four pay-per-views, and he goes over MJF, which, again, I, I think should happen once if and when that does happen and he goes on to get a couple more victories i think that he goes on a little bit of a war path i think that he gets undefeated into going into a tnt championship match uh, if it is still miro at the time i would book it as undefeated versus undefeated in singles competition and have them really come to a head again big meaty men slap and meat of course my fantasy booking goes to big meaty men slap and meat and Wardlow eventually will come out on top, getting his stock elevated pretty high. And I'm hoping that my fans of my fantasy show would be very happy seeing that. Okay, I like it. Uh, I think for me, what I do here is uh, it, it would be a week after a match. Either you, I'd say MGF would have a big pay-per-view match, either a title match or just a big match against like a Brian Danielson or someone really big. Something that would catapult him in the title scene if it wasn't a title match. And um, NJF would lose. And then in the week, he'd blame Wardlow for not doing enough to help him, for not giving him the ring or something. And then Wardlow would just snap at him and finally talk. He's like, enough! I'm en enough of de dealing with your shit. 
you're blaming your problems on me. I'm done with it. You threatened me before saying I had to work for you. I don't have to work for you anymore. Um, and then he just hits him, goes to town on him, and then the pinnacle comes out, attacks him. And it starts, uh, I'd say this would be a pretty long feud. And um, it would be him versus the pinnacle. You have to fight the pinnacle again, MGF again, uh, finally gets a match. And um, wrestlers in the back would just refuse to help him because he's done so much damage to them as MGF's whipping boy. But he just keeps showing his toughness and like grit. And when he finally gets that match against MGF, uh, they wrestle and uh, the the pinnacle tries to get involved and two guys who really appreciate toughness and grit come and help and take care of the pinnacle eddie kingston and john moxley come out take them out and they will build to it like on episodes moxley will like say something at eddie in the back about it or something like that yeah and then wardlow will come out on top and he'll beat mjf and then this will catapult him to um i then I'd say I'd actually put him in a title picture since the feud would be a really, really long one. Like, uh, I can't say exactly how long, but probably, I mean, MJF just had a year long feud. I wouldn't say a year long feud, but um, I'd say one that maybe like five to six months, one that takes two pay per views. The, the final one would be him versus MJF. The first pay per view, maybe him versus um sean spears or like him versus like some like special opponent mjf or maybe like mjf recruits another big man like maybe braun Strowman finally comes to aw braun Strowman replaces wardlow and it's braun Strowman versus wardlow as wardlow's final test in a pay-per-view and the next pay-per-view is mjf versus wardlow and i think that's what i do for him um i think that's how i'd book him uh, I do, and I big book Wardlow as a huge baby face, and a huge underdog situation because he's a big man. But if it's him against four dudes, then he's the underdog. I think you have to make him look like underdog if you're gonna keep him in the face in the situation since he's so much more physically just superior compared to MJF because Wardlow is a specimen. Yeah, so that's how I do that. I think I like your fantasy booking more than I like mine. Definitely sounded like some television I'd want to watch. I have thought about it a lot because, uh, like, like you, I really like both these guys. Um, I love what I love what MJF does, and um, Wardlow just he has it. You just look at him; he has it. Um, I think he's still got work to do on the mic, but um, you know, he's still young; he's got time. And I think a feud like this would help him, like him being across from a guy like MJF, and. Um, working creatively back scenes of a guy with MJF who can like help him out in that department. And like, there's plenty of other guys who can help him out backstage and Chris Jericho would definitely help him. And, uh, if Moxley and Eddie are involved in this feud at some point, like I said, then they could also help him in that talking department as well when they do get involved. Yeah. I think that's it for, um, all I want to say with that fancy booking scenario. We'd love to hear on Twitter and Instagram um, in comments and such, or just tweet at us how you book it, how you book them. Uh, would you keep them face? Would you turn them face like us, 
or would you turn him heel um, and do a heel versus heel feud? Or uh, would you be really unique and turn MJF face, which I never thought would work. But, uh, you know, each his own if you want to book it that way. So let us know. Uh, Billy, anything else you want to say before I wrap it up? No, I do not have too much more to say. Uh, we will be releasing this on Friday, though. So I hope everyone, I wish you a happy draft weekend as we will be going on Friday night with the first round of the WWE draft. And then Saturday, Sunday will happen into Monday being the second night of the draft. Uh, do you want to give any last final predictions? I know that uh, we have released our two-part episode on the draft itself, uh, but do you have any final predictions for the people on that, Juice? I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, listen to our mocks. I think in terms of who goes where. Well, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll say one prediction. I think, I think... Bianca, I want I want her to go to Raw and Charlotte stay in Raw and start Bianca Charlotte. I want Bianca eventually be the one to take the belt of Charlotte. I want Liv to stay on SmackDown with Becky, and I want Liv to win the Rumble and beat Becky. Um, also, I hope Naomi and Sonya develop in the same place because I kind of like this feud. I I would I, I think this would be a good feud for Sonya Deville to make her turn in. And then I think I'd like the two of them to be on Raw because then after Charlotte and Bianca, I'd like Sonya to take on Bianca. And I'd like Sonya to be the one to beat Bianca. Uh, I really want to see Sonya with the belt. So, yeah, um, that, that was my prediction, mainly this woman's division predictions. Uh, more so what I want. But I'll say their predictions. Let's, let's be bold. I'll be bold. Their predictions. I'm a genius. <laughs> you already predicted the Hurt Business, so here you go predicting the future Raw Women's title main event scene. All right, Juice. Well, if that's it for you, that's it for me. Thank you guys again for listening. If you guys have not yet, please like, share, follow the pod. And make sure you follow us on our social medias as well at TOTC underscore pod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think about our young studs. Let us know what you think about our push job releases. Let us know what you think about our takes from Grand Slam and Extreme Rules. Let us know what you think about Bound for Glory and MLW Fightland. And let us know all of your wrestling takes that you may have. So. Again, for Juice, this is Bill. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the draft. <laughs>